Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Wow. 
Right, right. And the human body can handle 20 times its body weight in the impact-ready position. So a 120-degree angle behind your knees, you can handle an incredible amount of force, whereas any departure from that range of motion in either direction is far less efficient. So after developing the medical device and reversing my mother's osteoporosis, uh, then a, a business was started, uh, licensed the intellectual property. That's called OsteoStrong. And there's now 129 OsteoStrong locations, clinics, in eight different countries. That's uh, incredible. So that, yeah, oh, that took off and, and uh, went fantastic. But as I was doing the research, I realized that these, these human outliers, with the 20 times their body weight, they're only outliers because of the way they train. Like, they weren't, yes, I mean, you have to be a certain proportion and you have to have a lot of dedication and stuff. There is a genetic component to being a genetic. But all human bodies are capable of absorbing high levels of force. We just don't do it. So with the impact emulation medical device I created, I started building a data set that looked at the differences in capacity between what we have from impact-ready range to mm-hmm. weaker range. And uh, I heard uh, maybe a, a year after launching the X3, uh, which is the product you started talking about, uh, I heard Peter Atia on a podcast say, the problem with weightlifting is it overloads joints and underloads muscles. And he's alluding to the inefficiencies of weightlifting, which I realized, and this was, this was uh, three years ago, I realized mm-hmm. I had the data that would not only disprove, basically disprove weightlifting, uh, uh-huh. but that gave us the instructions to do something so much better by changing the resistance as people move through space to match the natural biomechanical capacity in any given position. So for example, when I do a chest press, I hold a hundred pounds at the bottom of the chest press. That's where the Mm -hmm. joint is at its most compromised. That's where the joint could is most likely to receive damage. When I'm in the middle of the movement, I'm holding 300 pounds. And I'm when, I, when I'm at the top of the movement, I'm holding 540 pounds. So that's quite a range. I, right, right, and and it, and it has to be. So uh, I had to develop special special high density latex uh, banding for this product because the typical latex band goes to like 30 or 40 pounds, and whereas our, our uh, heaviest band in like a deadlift format for a six foot tall person is 620 pounds. So these, these bands that have existed, they, they're not relevant to strength training. And uh, part of the reason is, is if you had one of the X3 uh, bands that come with the X3 bar, 
and you like tried to do a push up with it or a curl, you might mm-hmm. break your wrist because there's no way to grab it without it twisting the joint. So, right. Uh, right so I, I, once I realized this, I started just sort of looking at variable resistance and, and what kind of product I can make with variable resistance. Uh, Cause at first I was thinking, I'll just write a book about bands and just be done with it. And then uh, I realized I couldn't do that because bands by themselves are worthless. And because cause the whole joint twisting thing. So basically the only band you can buy is so lightweight, it's not even relevant strength. Which is why the fitness industry kind of ridicules bands. Uh, yes. Now there are some people that hook bands to bars and have elaborate things they do like in an entire gym environment. But I wanted to build something that was like a home, home use thing. I hate going to the gym. I mean, gyms are great for people that have nothing better to do with their time. Uh, but, you know, I'm busy. So uh, uh-huh. I, I, I want to I wake up, get it done, and start my day. So, and I know there's a lot more people like me than the sideways hat kids at the gym. So, like I said, they have nothing going on. Where else are they going to go? Uh, uh-huh. So, um, yeah, and so it, it, it's fine. Like, I mean, those uh, – that – that whole paradigm, I realized I was going to go up against a lot of people who are going to be very upset with my message and upset with my product because there's a lot of people in fitness who pride themselves, define themselves based on the fact that they lift heavy things, which is dangerous, and they risk injury all the time. And that's kind of like their identity. Uh huh. And that's, and I think that's why there hasn't been any advancement in like, in like the gym equipment industry really since the treadmill first came out or the exercise bike first came out. I think life cycle was the first one, but that was like 60 years ago. Well, I mean, what, what has changed since then? Nothing. No, the gyms are pretty much so, the same as you say. I was very invested yeah. in gym. Now, now I'm in my early 60s, but I, I became very interested in uh, gyms uh, in my 20s. Before that, in my teens, I exercised at home. Um, and I was very invested in uh, gym culture, which is what you're referring to, for a while. Yeah, um, and, yeah. Uh, but for the past 20 years, I've been working at it at home. And uh, one of the things that I'm finding about the X3 that's a very good big cost is I was going to invest in gym equipment uh, because the equipment that I had was very light. You know, for the space that I have, I have to make the best use of that space. And uh, the X3 allows me to do all the heavy motions in a very uh, small uh, piece of space. And uh, the equipment is not bulky at all. It's very easily stored uh, um, I have it in a plastic box, the whole thing, a small plastic box, and it slips oh, under yeah. my bed. And you slide it under your bed, right? Or, or yeah. you put it in a drawer? Yeah, either way, it's so small. Like I tell people, like, I have probably the smallest trunk of a car, of any car on the road. I drive a Lamborghini. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, my X3 fits perfectly in the trunk. just drops right in there. It's tiny. I take that thing everywhere. Never without it. Uh, I can get the heaviest workout, heavier, heavier than weights. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that when I started saying it's heavier than weights, that's when a lot of the, 
sort of skeptics and trolls, just internet trolls who, you know, they, they hate everything, especially things they don't understand. Uh, when, when I said it's heavier than, than weight training, they were like, wait a minute, heavy is good. Tell me more. Uh, but I, initially I hesitated to say that cause I thought a lot of people would find that intimidating. Uh huh. So, yeah. So being able to talk about a breakthrough technology as simple and elegant as it is, it's still a breakthrough. Uh, yes, it is. it's challenging because you, you're describing something no one's ever seen, touched or understand, and you have to make sure you don't scare them into thinking, oh, that might hurt me, or it's not for me, or I don't really want to lift heavy. I just want to be giant and muscular, and they don't know that there's a connection between the two. Because, uh-huh. uh, like, I mean, I, I don't think there's – fitness and nutrition are probably probably uh, uh, pharmaceuticals also, probably the greatest amount of ignorance on those, those three subjects than any other subject. One of the things I really like about your system, too, is that um, you have the uh, videos made for each and every workout, plus a piece of nutrition. And even though they're the same exercises, you do them for every week and you add more information. So it's a, it, it, right. it kind of initiates you very slowly. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, you, now, you, now, you know. Did you know that there's two different 12-week programs? One of them's condensed, so you don't have to watch watch a video like every every day. No, I was not aware of that. Okay, yeah. If you go to the website now, there's there's two programs. Because some people were just like, I don't want to watch a video every day. Just show me how to do the exercises and how often I do them. Because it's funny, like just a few years ago, when people were buying systems like P90X. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was there was an idea that like the more video content the more valuable the program was, and now people have kind of gone the other way. That's interesting. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, well, I will check out those with videos as well. Uh, but again, I'm in my 60s, so I appreciate the the conversational tone and the slow introduction of uh, information because uh, it's very sure. easy to assimilate. And uh, even like I'm, I have neuropathy. I, I think I shared this. Uh, so my balance is kind of. Uh, and uh, when you explain in the longer videos the the biomechanics of what you're uh, doing or supposed to be doing, which muscles you should be targeting, uh, I find that I can modify the exercises so they don't upset my balance. So I, I find the longer yeah. videos helpful, but I will check out the uh, uh, more oh, Yeah, we we kept them both for that reason. Like we didn't delete the old program because a lot of people said. It was, we, we have some focus groups that we showed both programs to, and uh-huh. mo- like a lot of people preferred the condensed one, but then there was like a good thirty percent that were like, "No, I like the long form because I want every little detail." Right. Mm-hmm. I guess the second time I start the twelve week program, which I, I decided to make this an integral part of my daily workout. I love working out. Uh, one of the biggest obstacles I had in my mind was the uh-huh. only 10 day part. 
uh, I admit that that's, yeah. you know, my skepticism kicked in. It's like, what do you mean sure. 10 minutes? A day? I've been doing this since I was a kid on and off. Uh, and now I'm going to devote yeah. like an hour, an hour and a half. But 10, 12 minutes is pretty much all you can do if you're giving it your all. And then that's it. The first couple of weeks, right. I, was <laughs> I wanted to do nothing yeah. more than sleep because it's that much out of me. So I was impressed. And right. now I'm finding that, that uh, less than 15 minutes is actually all I need to, to give to it. Well, most people can't handle more than that. That's the, right. the other thing is people say, oh, 10 minutes, you're just hurrying through a workout and, and getting a terrible workout because you're trying to speed it up and that doesn't make any sense. And, you know, you're trying to scan, you know, they say I'm trying to scan people. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you do it one time, if you do one workout, you realize you won't be standing up after 10 minutes. Like you're devastated. Right. You're so you are. exhausted. Yeah, it's a much and, deeper level of exhaustion. And I'm going to take pictures at the end. I, I didn't think to take pictures, but for my next cycle, I'm going to take pictures at the beginning and the end. Uh, my buys and tries haven't been this large since I was in my 30s. <laughs> so I'm impressed. That's in 10 weeks. Uh, and uh, right. I, I'm seeing <laughs> so my, my, my shirt. I love shirt size. Yes, it's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, uh, my, my you put too, in the work. That, yeah, I put in the work and the results come incredibly fast and incredibly dramatically. And uh, the dietary changes are taking a little bit longer. I'm like a couple of weeks behind uh, on that. But uh, I'm finding that the intermittent fasting is giving me a lot more energy than I've had in a very long time. So uh, I'm grateful yes. for that. Uh, I already was like on an Atkins type diet. So making the switches to a ketogenic diet uh, is again, it's gradual, but uh, it's been happening. So um, the dietary program and the physical fitness program, and then the equipment is elegant in its simplicity. I mean, uh, yeah. initially it's like too simple when you think about it, but when you use it and you see how, you know, you, you wrap the band around the platform, uh, if you're using the platform once or twice, and that's all you need to know. Uh, and then uh, movement uh, and force reps at the end so it, we can't do any more full movement so uh, that's as simple as the program is and it's phenomenally effective yep it uh it certainly is uh now i uh i've been asked a few times and you asked me some very detailed questions the first time we got on the phone uh-huh I haven't yet had a sort of repository of all information. Like I wrote a book about the medical device. That one's called osteogenic loading. Um, if, if somebody really wants to know all the details on that, uh, you can read it. It's not really a page turner. <laughs> it's pretty boring, but it is about that research. But I never uh -huh. did an equivalent book for for x3 and i'm i'm writing that right now and oh, that should awesome. be out in, in probably 60 days that is awesome yeah yeah i think uh just having uh just a couple hundred pages of like everything you could possibly learn about it, it, it i needed to do this so and it answers a lot of questions for for the people who are skeptical and you know, the question, like, I can't believe I can get a complete workout in 10 minutes. You'll understand if you read that book. 
Yeah, I found the biomechanical uh, information you had in your videos very helpful, and it helped me to understand, cool. like when I couldn't do an exercise because of my balance, it helped me to understand what I should be targeting. Uh, and, and, and I know what my muscles feel like, so that was incredibly useful. So it would be even more useful. I can look something up really fast. Um, For sure. You know, I don't remember or, or if I can't uh, think it uh, through. Now, are you thinking of creating anything else, any other type of equipment? Because this is pretty much not at all. Um, <laughs> it does. I, yeah. The only thing I add is my stretching because I found that, uh, again, because of my neuropathy, the stretching and my balancing exercises, uh, they help. So I added those again. But other than that, I'm not doing any other exercises. This pretty much gives me, uh, you know, the workout is just to take me five, six times longer <laughs> to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, what? Yes, I mean, I have uh, toyed with some some ideas but ultimately I'm I'm kind of when I did this I, I really saw it as like a final statement okay. on resistance exercise so I I really covered everything and now I haven't uh, I haven't done anything other than X3. And if you've seen any recent pictures of me, like I'm not missing development on anything. So it's, I think as far as resistance training goes, uh, this is, this is it. Like I've even put in advertisements. This is the last fitness dollar you're ever going to need to spend. <laughs> yeah. And that got a lot of attention. People, they were blown away. Like, Wow. Uh, and you know, they said, I, that sounds like an amazing lie. And then they'd get the product and say, Hey, I really apologize for saying that, you know, in one of the comments of the ads, this is like the greatest thing I've ever bought. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that was what I was going for. And mo- most of my effort still is, uh, is put into osteo strong and mm-hmm. you know, the, the medical side of my business and, uh, that that's going to whereas X3 is going to make people a lot healthier probably live longer uh, feel better have higher self-confidence functionally strong avoid tons of injuries it's almost impossible to hurt yourself with X3 I mean you can let go of the bar but you can do that right. with bench press too right yeah. uh, so also, with a bench press, you let go of the bar, it crushes you. When you let go right. of the X3, it may catapult towards you, but as soon as it bounces off of your chest, there's no weight on you anymore. Right. So there have been a few people who, like, did what's called a suicide grip. They call it that for a reason. Yes. You know, they, they don't wrap their thumbs underneath. Yeah. And, and they, they smack themselves with a bar, but no one's actually been hurt. Um. So, given your biomechanical uh, background, um, how, I used to work in private rehab years ago. Um, not uh, drug rehab, although I worked there too, but uh, physical rehabilitation. And I used yeah. to uh, go with patients to the physical therapist and talk to physical therapists and sure. so forth. Um, 
have you thought of uh, um, looking in that direction with the X3? Because uh, it would make obsolete a lot of the equipment that they have there. I mean, people can easily use the bands, and they have more control over the range of motion in the bands than they would with the machines that they're currently are using. I would say I would say uh, 10% of the units in the field right now are in uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation facilities. Uh huh. So. And and the PM and R physicians have been the ones that back the logic of the product, mm-hmm. the research that goes behind the product. They really understand it. Uh, in fact, the second they see it, they understand it. So uh, they've been tremendous supporters. Uh, but I haven't really gone after that as a market. I don't really have to. No, it, it's doing very well in the fitness uh, industry where, where it currently is. Now, sure. I asked you this in our private conversation, and, and I'll ask it again. Um, you have the type of mind which sees simple solutions to what other, other people make complex problems. And that is a phenomenal right. gift, other than in health. Where else have you applied your gift? Because I, I can see tremendous applications, even if this is your last statement on fitness, and it, it will certainly uh, put your place in the history of uh, uh, physical culture <laughs> on our planet. Sure. It's an awesome, awesome thing. But do you have any other horizons you're striving towards? Because it would be really interesting to see where you apply your mind uh, to their challenges. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what can I say here? Um, there's a well, couple you of things. Enter now. You can enter it another time. I, I yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I, I have over 300 patents, so I, I oh, really like awesome. getting awesome. you know getting the getting the walls built around the intellectual property. But I, uh, I I will say that some of the things that I've been working on has to do with uh, enhancing cognitive capability, you know, like really, really amplifying how much we can remember. So I've done a little bit of research in that. (laughs) Oh, everyone would. Who who wouldn't like to remember more? Right. Yeah, so that's part of it, uh, part of what I'm doing. I've prototyped some uh, eye training kind of devices. All right, so both near farsighted people can build strength in their eye and maybe avoid glasses uh, for extended part of their life. Maybe if uh, they have a weak prescription, not need a prescription anymore because they can make their eyes stronger and more capable. Uh, so there's there's a couple of approaches that I've looked to towards that side about health. So uh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to apply my creativity to building you know explosive bullets or anything like that. <laughs> That's not That's me. That's because uh, you're really affecting explosive bullets. So I'm glad you're yeah. not. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's already people working on that. They got enough people on that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I those those things. I have been um, playing with quite a bit. Uh, there's also a few. Well, there's there's nutritional ideas. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the product Fortigen. I've been uh, reading about. I can't take. Yeah, I can't take credit for inventing it. I just formulated it for the X3 user so that uh, you can really get a great amount of nutrition in a pretty simple drink. Uh, you know, you just, it's powder, you mix it in water and it's a product of bacterial fermentation. It's the most usable protein. Uh, so it is like, uh, it's five times more usable by the body than mm-hmm. any other, uh, than, than the standard type protein supplement source. <clears throat> so, um, very efficient. People build muscle with it very quickly. Uh, especially like, like I weigh 240 pounds now. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm lean, like, you know, I, I need to eat, you know, two and a half pounds of meat. It's like two and a half pounds of, yeah, and that's hard. Like putting down to, especially, I I only eat one meal a day. So two and a half pounds in one meal, man, that last, the last steak you go to eat when you got a platter of steaks in front of you, you're not loving it. No. Like you're (laughs) like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this meal being over. Uh, so what Fortigen did was it really gave us the opportunity to just have what tastes like a glass of kind of like apple juice with a little bit of jet fuel in it. It's got kind of a gasoline taste. It's, it's not delicious, but, uh, it, it will, you know, it's, it's like a, like I said, like a glass of apple juice. And it's the equivalent of 50 grams of protein. So you can have one of those, right. And now you, you know, for the average 150 pound lean guy or 200 pound, you know, it it takes away like a half a pound of meat that you don't have to eat now. So it's super efficient. And uh, I launched that uh, in September of 2019. And that's been fantastic. Are you available on uh, like through Amazon or through Vitamin Outlets, or would it be through your website? No, no. Uh, Amazon is uh, it's great for uh, socks and toothbrushes, okay, uh, commodity type products. But if you have something really special that requires an education, um, people people on Amazon buy based on price. And so, you know, they want a cheap alternative, even when the cheap alternative is not an alternative at all. It's something that doesn't work. Right. So you don't really want to be in that environment. Like, I'm not going to ever put X3s in Walmart either. Okay, understood. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's just the way the way that business ended up shaping itself. And uh-huh. It's just not. It's just not right for my brand. And uh, it is a quality product, so I can certainly understand that. Um, how would people find out more about the X3, um, enter the wonderful world you're creating, and uh, order the X3 bar and the Fortigen? Uh They can go to jakewishbiomedical.com. Uh, that's my last name. It's kind of hard. Or x3bar.com. Okay. And then to find me on social media, it's it's uh, at uh, Dr. Jakewish, D-R-J-A-Q-U-I-S-H, on, uh, on Instagram. Okay, and you also have a, a presence on uh, Facebook, which is where I interact uh, with uh, the groups. Uh, um, yeah. Not as much as I'd like, but I do interact with the groups, and I do follow the groups. Sure. And, uh, um, again, our journey yeah. for today has uh, ended, but I would like to thank you for radically changing my uh, life. Uh, this is an amazing uh, product. And, again, it's the, my the, pleasure. the mind that conceived it is evident <laughs> if you're using it. <laughs> Uh, I worked for over 35 years in psychiatric rehabilitation also. So, again, the mind is something I've I've studied as well. Uh, So I'm looking forward to learning more about your research later on on memory because, again, I'm in my 60s, so my memory's not already once. Uh, Thanks again for everything. I will invite you back, and uh, I plan on starting my second cycle a week after I finish my first. So thanks again. Fantastic. We'll speak soon. Okay. Be well, my friend. Uh, We're going to take a brief musical break. Take care. And uh, then we'll be back with uh, holistic healer Robert Kadarjian. Because 
souls to the powers of earth, sea, and sky, of dragon and fairy and shades of the night. He calls to his ancestors of blood and bone, of womb and tomb and standing stone. Lady, stir your cauldron well, chant your words and sing your spell. Deep within this darkened hall, hear the goddess Keridwen call. Come and taste of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your Keridwen's children, the cauldron born. God. 
in that in that profession is adjust the spine, take care of it, and the body will heal itself. This whole philosophy of wow. innate intelligence, you know. In the chiropractic profession, there's that terminology of innate intelligence, which I wasn't hearing anywhere else, and that the, the body has an innate intelligence to heal itself. If you give it the right food, the right adjustment, the right environment, the right relationship. And uh, I, w- I was just sold on that term. And uh, and that attracted me to it. Of course, I, I've evolved from that place to other experiences in healing. But that was certainly the beginning of it, that whole concept of innate intelligence when I heard it in my 20s that I... I hadn't heard it. I hadn't heard it in any other profession before. Now, I worked in uh, private rehabilitation for uh, many years, uh, and I had to go uh, speak with like lawyers, insurance companies, uh, and uh, various uh, medical uh, practitioners, uh, uh, including uh, you know chiropractors. And uh, one of the things that was uh, true then was, uh, again, even though uh, chiropractic was uh, recognized by insurance companies, and and in in this country, that's uh, something of uh, phenomenal import in terms of validation, Um, a lot of the medical professions, uh, the professionals, rather, looked down upon uh, um, chiropractic arts. Um, Has that improved over the years, that attitude, or I'm going back now like 40 years, 30, 40 years? Yeah, Uh, the insurance story came in uh, in the 70s. In the 70s, insurance companies were beginning to accept uh, or pay for chiropractic treatments. Uh, Yes, it has changed. I mean, uh, mean, uh, over the years, I've treated doctors who have come to me and so yeah, I, I, there, it's definitely a lot more friendly environment today. Uh, I mean, there are still, there are still struggles in trying to help. I think the the challenge is really more with the with the populace and trying to help people understand what an adjustment can and cannot do. Uh, medical doctors seem to understand it, and I mean, I I I feel I, I feel there is definitely more acceptance and more. Uh, more camaraderie, more referral back and forth. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say definitely a lot more. I mean, it, it, it can, there's definitely room for improvement. Uh, I think the problem with chiropractic is really not so much the medical doctors as it is the pharmaceutical industry because the pharmaceutical industry makes money by selling medications. And we as in the chiropractic profession, we don't prescribe to medications. So uh, I don't know how the pharmaceutical industry feels about us. You know, <laughs> um, that that is something we could devote several shows uh, to about the the big pharmacology. Yes, yes. Um, right, uh, right. One of the conversations we had the other day, which uh, again uh, I've had this conversation before with other people, but it, it was again refreshing to have this conversation pop up uh, again, was the metaphorical nature of illness, and uh, I've always found that to be an interesting mirror uh, to look into it because people say, "Oh, he was a pain in the a- uh, the ass or pain in the neck." You know, they'll say things like that and uh, then develop uh, pains in their backside or pains in their, you know, neck. And they don't really see the connection 
between the, uh, you know, or somebody supporting, they feel they're supporting the whole weight of the world on their shoulders uh, and they develop right. uh, back problems. You know, uh, a lot sure. of people don't look at uh, illness as metaphor. Uh, can you explain yeah. that concept a bit better than I could perhaps? Yeah, I'll try. Um, I, you know, the more we study the body, the more we are learning that biology is psychology. And I, I mean, I really believe that in 100, 200 years from now, we're really going to grasp that concept in its full meaning, maybe 300 years. But <laughs> that, biology, that biology is psychology. And the psychological... Mm-hmm. The psychological belief systems, the psychological thinking affects ourselves. And uh, so, yes, when we say things like, oh, my boss is a pain in the neck, you know, my, uh, my neighbor is a pain in the ass, and so on and so forth, you know, we, we are inviting problems. And uh, right. sometimes over the years, you know, working directly with patients, for, let, me, let me go to the to the experience, you know, the black and white experience of it. You know, like recently I was working with a patient and his back pain was just, I mean, we, we did we did some good work. It was improving, but he kept relapsing and there was really no re- reason for that relapse I, because he was doing everything right. And at one point I said, you know, there, there had, I feel like, let's sit down and talk. Like, I feel like there might be something going on here that's more than uh, an adjustment can correct. And so, and the back is very interesting metaphor, isn't it? Like we talk about, you know, to back away, to, to step forward, to uh, to carry on our back, you know, other people, we're shouldering other people's problems. And, you know, we, there's so many metaphors with the back. And uh, in his case, as we kind of dissected that uh, conversation, it came, he came to a conclusion that he needs to back away from something. And he was involved. Mm-hmm. He was, he, yeah, he was involved in this uh, business partnership that was really toxic. And uh, he, but he ha- he felt like he didn't have any options to back away from it. Of course, but which which he finally realized he was wrong. That there were options, and that he just needed to investigate further. And he eventually pulled away. And or he is he hasn't fully pulled away, but he's definitely started and halfway there. So, and and as he's doing that, he started getting better. So he needed to back away from an experience that was unpleasant. You know, so you know, metaphorically, we're the, the metaphorical piece is that the the biology and the psycho. This is where the biology and the psychology come together, and we come to discover that the mind body connection is a lot lot more powerful than people think. And uh, of course, the mystics have all known that, have always known that. And some, right. you know, some uh, some of the old uh, uh, schools of discipline, like acupuncture and the Chinese medicine, and some some of the old schools uh, really know this to be true. True that the mind and body connection is inseparable. And. Now you've uh, strayed into the waters of energy work. And energy work uh, with Reiki and healing touch is now uh, yeah. becoming more accepted as well, but still a lot of people dismiss it uh, 
um, as, um, you know, like mumbo jumbo or hypnotism or things like that, but it's gaining more and more acceptance uh, uh, through insurance yeah. companies. Um, can you explain uh, what energy work is and how you use uh, energy work to supplement your practice? Yeah. You know, when I was at Hunter College in New York in 1977, 78 or so studying nutrition, like everybody thought that was such a dead-end field, right? <laughs> and then, you know, when I was studying chiropractic in the 80s, going to college for that, everybody thought that is such a, you know, field that is not useful and a waste of time. And and same again, you know, here we are, you know, years later, I've been practicing energy healing, which is really working with the chakras and the aura and the energy field of the body, which acupuncturists and and the Qigong masters really understand well. And in the West, we're still poo-pooing it and saying, oh, I don't think there's much relevance to that. But but that's changing, you know? Just like nutrition has come to the forefront, we now realize how important it is. We now realize how important it is to keep our spine and our joints healthy, to prevent arthritis and those types of ailments. And now we're realizing... Uh, how important energy fields are and yeah, and how outside let's just stay with microwaves how microwaves can affect our electromagnetic fields or right. now we're going into, into 5G and let's see what that does so now we're really understanding the whole concept of energy fields and uh, and and uh, I do think it's going to be in the forefront, and I do think insurance companies will pay for it down the line uh, because it has great, great, great relevance. And after all, when we are sitting down and listening to Mozart, our energy is affected differently than when we are sitting and listening to uh, or jumping up and down and listening to you know, heavy metal. I mean, they're both great forms of music, but one affects our energy differently than the other, right? So, or when we are sitting with somebody who is very relaxed compared to somebody who is a nervous wreck, our energy field is affected by it. So we're beginning to realize that energy is everything, and uh, we're moving closer and closer to that greater understanding. And while you were explaining your background, uh, uh, a synchronistic uh, type of thing came up. Um, I was at Bronx High School of Science in 1977. That's when I graduated. I was uh, in and around uh, Hunter College all the time that year. So who knows? Oh, my God. Uh, back then, yeah. Did you, did you hang out on 68th Street between Lex and Park? Did you ever um, walk that street? In Manhattan? Yeah, yeah. I did lived you ever there come for to that long. area? I lived there yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh my there, God! It, it was in the early '90s that I lived there. Oh wow! Okay, okay. <laughs> that was a great area. I miss it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the that's the journey that that I've taken. You know, it, it's been an evolution. You know, we we get a degree in something, and then ten years later we're looking at something else, and ten years later we're looking at another thing. Like for me, it's always been why. Like I want to just kind of open up the, the like peel the not open up, but kind of peel the onion and just kind of get to the core of issues. I've always asked like why. I adjust this person and they're not getting better, or they're they're on a good diet but they're not getting better. And so what you know is there something deeper? And of course there is, and this is where eventually 
we as a society on this planet, uh, you know, years down the line, uh, we're going to move closer and closer into the into the field of what are, what what are we doing here on Earth? What is the what I call what is the soul journey, right? Now right. We're, we're working on energy, and eventually we're going to peel that layer and go into the soul and say. What is the soul journey here? What are the life lessons? What is this lessons that the soul has come to learn here? So on and so so you know it's it's an evolutionary. I think being a healer is an evolutionary process. You know it it, it helps me evolve certainly, and uh, so I, I don't know. I I see it I see it as an evolutionary process. I mean there's a lot of doctors. There are a lot of doctors who don't necessarily take that journey. You know they're happy doing what they know and what they've been doing. And what they do, whether they're surgeons or chiropractors or pediatricians, and they do that for the rest of their lives until they retire, and that, and that's fine, you know. But uh, but for some of us, uh, we keep digging and asking, yeah. and uh, there's almost like this restlessness in us that wants more answers. Uh, I, I, for me, it's not just answers for myself, but also I feel like if I have answers, I can serve better, you know. So if I have more tools in my kit, I can do more for others. I can I can serve better, and that's what inspires me really. Like actually serve better, and I can serve more if I do, if I learn more. You know. And but that's, in addition uh, that's to speaking, you've been uh, also sharing a lot more. You've uh, published several uh, books, and uh, you've give, been giving talks. So uh, all your um, questioning and all your seeking has led to uh, some uh, uh, deep and powerful insights, and now you've begun sharing those as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of going over who I am. Thank you for asking that question. And, and uh, over the years, what I've been doing is seminars and workshops. I, I've written three books, and uh, on, on really health and healing. And uh, so I've been doing the seminars and the workshops for like 20 years or so, but my vision really at this point is to, I've been practicing 37 years. I forgot to say that. Uh, But my vision at this point is to really do uh, seminars for larger audiences. Like I I really, I have this vision of, I want to have two, 300 people in a room Everybody comes in with their intention, and and we set the we set the like we set the energy and the and the safe space for those intentions to to be discussed or to unfold energetically as well as verbally. And I really think we need to move into that type of healing at this point of our journey on this planet where uh, we can affect larger and larger audiences without it being religious, but rather being intentional where mm-hmm. we ask where people set their intention that an intention that comes from the soul, not from the neurotic personalities that we carry, but intentions that come from the soul and, and, and in, because I, 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 I have this strong belief that, when people come together in larger numbers with a sacred intention, 
with their sacred intentions, they don't, of course, they're not always going to be the same. Enormous healing can take place when uh, a healer can create that space for those intentions to uh, express themselves. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also, of course, uh, the, I mean, the, heal- the healing is that like, we have to remove the blocks that prevent those intentions, right? Isn't that what healing is? You know, healing is many things, but it's certainly about manifesting sacred intentions, which is the, the name of my first book. It's about manifesting the sacred intentions by removing the blocks that prevent those intentions from coming to fruition, right? So, right. Uh, and yeah, I try to. Con- I mean, I try to <clears throat> send a message to the audience that uh, what's important for you is to is to uh, really get clear on what intention you should be working on. Become aware, as you well know, Hercules. You know, nothing really happens without awareness. And right. And, and, and we, when people become aware of their patterns and their issues, uh, then they can set intentions. Like I was working with this person who I had to help eventually come, become aware that like she had all these throat pains and neck pains and all this stuff going on. And, and eventually as we peel the layer, you know, the, 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 the layers of the onion, you know, she became aware that it, she has a really, really hard time saying no. I mean, it's it's a very it was a very difficult thing for her, and so what was important for her is to set the intention that I want to balance my throat and I want to not be afraid to say no, and kind of balance saying no with saying yes. And uh, I mean, that's a, she became aware that she doesn't say no very easily, and then she set the intention to balance that out. And then we worked on manifesting it, right? So it's about being aware, setting an intention, and manifesting. And, and, and in group healings, you know, these things can happen. Of course, it can happen in one-on-one. But what I like about group is that we can learn from the person sitting next to us, you know, because a lot of people have very, very similar issues. There's so much overlap. You can have 300 people in that in a room, and with 300 stories, but you can, you know, but that doesn't mean you're going to have 300 different types of healings that need to take place. The the core issues and what's blocking healthy intentions and soulful intentions aren't 300, you know, uh, uh-huh. because you can you can have you can have 70 people in that room who have a dif- who have difficulty saying no or 30 people in that room who have difficulty receiving or, uh, you know, even a compliment, right? Or, you know, 200 people in that room who, uh, who can't have clarity about their, uh, what's next for them. Like they can't have clarity about why they're here, what their life purpose is, you know? So, uh, Anyway, you know, those types of, you know, we can learn a lot. Like I know that years ago when I used to go to large group uh, healings and, and, uh, and seminars, you know, I learned a lot, not just from the, the teacher or the practitioner, but rather from the audience themselves, you know, some of the 
people that were next to me. So uh, anyway, I think what's important ultimately is to help people come to that awareness and help them manifest those intentions. Yeah. And your book uh, is like the distilled essence of what you learn. Very, very effective. Uh, so there aren't like hundreds of pages to uh, make your way through. Everything you need to think about is like right there. Uh, and it makes it really yeah. easy to pay it on what you're saying. So I found that very, uh, very well done. And uh, I'm looking forward to exploring your other works. Where can people get them? Yeah. Uh it's on Amazon or go to my website. Uh, my website is drrobertheels.com, drrobertheels.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm really, pr- I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my work. You know, I really am. I, I think they're good pieces. Uh, I, my first book was Sacred Intentions. I'm doing a revision mm-hmm. of the book. I'm, I'm uh, uh, I have 14 intentions in there, and it's really from my practice. You know, over the years, I've worked with thousands of people, and I've kind of deciphered that there are these 14 intentions that people are suffering with, you know, such as an intention to set set an intention to forgive ourselves, an intention to forgive others, an intention to balance giving and receiving, an intention to ask for help. I mean, these are such universal dilemmas that we suffer from. And uh, so I'm doing a revision of the book, uh, kind of adding like a meditation on how to, uh, like a visualization dash meditation mm-hmm. on the intention. But what I like about the book, not because it's my book, but it's it's really more of a poetic work. I mean, each intention is about two pages, if that. Uh-huh. And it, it's there's no reason to have all that wording to to uh, to explain something that is simple but yet profound, right? It's like sometimes you'll read some you'll read a book and it has it's talking about an intention. It goes on for forty pages, and how can we take those forty pages? And for me, that's what it was. It was an exercise in taking, you know, forty fifty pages about an intention and bringing it down to like two pages, you know, and uh, so that you can read it over and over again and really uh, and get it and without the fluff, you know, without all the uh, all the words. Like I, I wanted to economize the language so that it can go directly to the soul and to the essence. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great work. My second book was Life and Afterlife. Uh, I wrote Sacred Intentions about 20 years ago. Life and Afterlife, maybe 15 years ago. Uh, it was really about what happens to us when we pass on with unfinished business. Yeah, hmm. a lot of people die. You know, most people die with unresolved material, right? Bitterness, anger, anguish, remorse. So, how do? What happens to us when we take that material to the astral world? How do we process it? It was a subject I was very curious about, and uh, maybe we can talk about that another time. But uh, oh, and my no, third book, our conversation will continue. Let's say that again. Uh, our conversation will definitely be continuing. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you, thank you. And my third book is something that I found 
I kind of wrote it for myself because <laughs> and 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 I, actually I was writing notes for myself and eventually I realized I need to write a book about this and it's called the masculine heart what makes men tick it was about it, it was about us guys and uh, how we define success in the material world and and uh, how or how best to define success in the material world so that our our hearts aren't injured by materialism, consumerism, and all the things that we see around us that are not necessarily healthy. Uh, so, you know, those are the three books. And uh, so, you know, I guess my work is always about the issues that we are all facing and, uh, you know, the issues of self-image, addiction issues, uh, issues of, of fear of abandonment, fear of intimacy, fear of dying, uh, fear of living, right? And the fear of right. disconnecting from ourselves. And, and most importantly, I would say, the, 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 the fear and the reality and the experience of disconnecting from ourselves, right? And I suppose we could say healing is really restoring ourselves to ourselves, right? bringing us back to who we really are as souls and as these divine beings. So healing is the process of removing the blocks that block us from knowing who we are and uh, feeling who we are. Uh, and, 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 and most importantly, like re- recognizing the greatness of who we are, you know, and not selling ourselves short. And uh, I would say the second part of that healing is to recognize that the people around us are uh, are our brothers and sisters, and that we are all one, and that separation is an illusion. So, on the deepest level, healing is that experience of of recognizing that there is really no separation between myself and the other. But again, that takes many, many <laughs> lifetimes of experiences and great uh, wisdom and great uh, journeys of healing to come to that. But uh, ultimately, that's where we all need to move, you know, to, to embody that, what the masters taught us, you know, that oneness. It's, a, it's about oneness. It's about oneness where there's no more exploitation, And that is an excellent place to end today's uh, journey, which we began and which will continue. Um, I know you shared your uh, website information and your other information, but for those who uh, uh, didn't have uh, some writing instrument paper handy, can you repeat them? And I also put a link from uh, uh, the announcement for today's show on uh, Facebook, so people can just click there if you're following us on Facebook. yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a seminar in in April in Bergen County, and wow. I hope you can all join us. Yeah, it's a it's a healing seminar. It's, I call I'm calling it Miracles and Healing, and uh, I'll be running it. And uh, you can go to the website. I, I, the date is still not definite, but it's definitely in April. And uh, my website is drrobertheals.com. And uh, I'm working on updating the Sacred Intentions book with visualizations of manifesting those intentions. 
and uh, and I hope you can join us. You know, and I think the material is important, and it's important for your audience. Certainly, it's important for <laughs> for myself. As you know, the journey never and ends, right? People, sure. Right, Hercules. Well, thank you so very much, Robert. I'm glad we met the other day, and I'm I'm glad uh, to be getting to know you, and I'm glad to be continuing this uh, journey with you. I wish you the greatest success in these endeavors that you mentioned and all your other endeavors, and I will have you back on as a guest very soon. I look forward to it. Thank you for the opportunity, Hercules. Uh, I appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, have all a right. wonderful day. Yes. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, Before we take a brief break and uh, go to our third and final segment for the day, Physical Culture with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training, uh, we have an announcement from our friends Stephen Smith and Nick Whale uh, on the other side of the planet. Uh, They are super aficionados of the sword and sandal or peplum, as it's sometimes called, genres. Sometimes they're called Hercules movies. And they sent in an update for their encyclopedia of Italian peplum movies, 1949 to 1989, uh, which is a project that they've been working on and they've been generously sharing information on on Facebook for uh, as long as I've been on Facebook. And I've been on Facebook for 10 years now. So can it be done? Hundreds of movies about the old Italian peplums or sword and sandal or Hercules movies, gladiator movies, cataloged and alphabetized into thousands of entries plus photos, posters, et cetera, included. I had an idea about doing such a project back in the late 1970s, early 1980s, when I used to be pen pals with Larry Anderson and have been gathering information about these movies ever since, especially since being on the internet, which has been a major source for my project. I think it's about time to get more serious regarding research, but Nick Whale and myself have still to work out which movies to include and which ones to exclude. Tim Paxton of WK Books did a mock-up cover for us, and you can see the mock-up cover on uh, Facebook, by the way. I included a link to their group um, to see how it would look, and he has even said that he could help us out as he has been a publisher for a few decades now. I can't see everything be published as one book, a series of books, or even a series of fanzines, perhaps. There hasn't been an encyclopedia published in English about these movies as they have mainly reviews or just general histories. I created this group uh, two years ago, he adds. Thank you, Stephen, for this update. Uh, You guys are awesome. As all of you know who listen to this podcast, uh, we're big fans uh, collectively and individually of Peplum Paradise and of both Stephen Smith and Nick Wales' work, and we wish them the very greatest of success. More updates to come. Until then, here's Dave the Bard with Antlered Crown and Standing Stone. Guide from your caves on the mountainside 
here again My how my friend I can hear her call Her black hand wings spread Silhouette is cast Upon my wall Her voice an ancient echo of what has gone before I climb upon her feathered back And through the air we soar She takes me to the ferryman Upon a distant shore If life's a symphony Sing along Sing along Each note a harmony In our song In our
And welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus, and we are entering the third and final segment of our show. Um, today, I'm going to share with you a little bit about why I do what I do. And it is from an old website I had called Mythic Physique, A Quest for Optimal Wellness. What is your idea of the ideal body? Mine has always been the mythic physique depicted in the sword and sandal films that were popular during my childhood. This heroic template was in turn inspired by the Greco-Roman statuary that depicted my Olympian ancestors. Both cinema and sculpture celebrated the mighty ones of old, the doers of great deeds. I am currently in my early 60s and no longer as able to lift heavy weights as I once did in my youth. However, I'm determined to embody and express my ideal physique to the best of my ability for the remainder of my years. You are invited to accompany me on this quest and to share the details of your own journey on this podcast. All you need to do is contact me via Facebook, where I am Hercules Invictus, or via email, where I'm Hercules.Invictus at gmail.com. And What I found in my own journey of working out is that it helps to know what you're striving for, what goal you have in mind, Uh, because different types of uh, physiques and different types of uh, athletic challenges require different types of exercise. So, for instance, if you want to build a big body like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, walking, running, and doing stationary bike, uh, although it'll get you more fit, certainly, it will not get you uh, to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in his heyday. That requires hours of uh, work with uh, heavy uh, poundages. So if you know what it is that you want to create, what you wish to embody and express through your physical vehicle, it does help to know what type of exercises uh, to do, what type of diet to follow, and uh, so forth. 
And uh, we'll be exploring a little bit more after this music break. Uh, for this last segment, we're going to be enjoying music, and I'll be sharing some information from uh, my journey and uh, sharing some of the goals that we can pursue together through uh, the Age of Heroes Optimal Wellness Initiative. Here we have Gently Johnny, and some of you might recognize this song from the movie The Wicker Man. Hey, 
Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I'm Hercules Invictus and I'm talking about mythic physiques because that is what my goal has been uh, for much of my life. And uh, in addition to the exercises that I do, um, I seek out mythic inspirations. And because it is the sword and sandal film, the peplum film, that initially inspired me to pursue this life course, um, I take my uh, peplum very seriously. Um, now, several years ago, my wife, Athena, gifted me with Retro Stud, which is a hardcover book by David Chapman that celebrates muscle movie posters worldwide. It's a wonderful book, garishly colorful, atmospheric, and evocative, full of historical tidbits, a worthy tribute to the peplum era I love so much. Thank you once again, a wonderful wife. I read it again and again and enjoyed each rereading. And yes, I must admit that sometimes I just skim through the pictures. As I absorbed the book, one of the realizations that struck me is how interchangeable the protagonists of Muscle Man films truly are. These movies were marketed under different names to different countries. For instance, Hercules could also be or may have originally been Machiste, Goliath, Samson, Ursus, Atlas, etc. This demystified the syncretic viewpoint of the ancients for me and rendered it intelligible. It is not too difficult to imagine that something very similar happened in antiquity. I've since given copies of this book to other peplum enthusiasts, and I even have included copies as giveaway tomes for some of our activities over the years. A trivia point, though the earliest film in this genre goes back to 1914, 1959, the year my wife and I were born, is considered the dawn of the peplum renaissance. Considering the pivotal role these flicks played in my life, I am greatly honored by this. Of course, that's not the only way of getting inspired. I also sought inspiration through the heroes of these peplum films, because I figured if they could be portraying these mythic heroes that I sought to emulate, perhaps I could learn something from them. Um, one year, for instance, it was Nigel Green. Yes, I know. Like most, unlike most of the actors that portrayed Hercules during the heyday of the Sword and Sandal era, Nigel Green was not a bodybuilder, nor was he remotely in his prime. And yet, he pulled it off. His commanding presence, over-the-top performance, and total immersion into the role made him a convincing son of Zeus in the 1963 motion picture Jason and the Argonauts. His distinctive and unique interpretation of Hercules remains one of my favorite, even now, over half a century later. There's a powerful lesson in this, and it speaks to me quite clearly. In my primal vision, I experienced myself as Hercules. There was no longer young, yet I still sounded the horn of summoning and accepted my Olympian mission. In honor of Nigel Green and what he taught me, I will integrate more systems of strength building beyond the physical into our collective mutual journey of building for ourselves a mythic physique. And I wrote this several years ago, and I have striven to do that ever since. And this podcast is but one of the ways in which uh, I attempted it. Uh, in addition to um, Nigel Green, Alan Steele is another one of my mythic mentors. Um, I actually know very little about Alan Steele. He was born Sergio Chiani in 1935. 
and started his Herculean career as Steve Reeves' body double in Hercules Unchained. Allen went on to star in several other Hercules films, this time in the titular role. He resumed the part once again in a comedic redub of one of these films. During the Sword and Sandal era, he also portrayed Samson and several other epic heroes. Allen was a stuntman as well as an actor and bodybuilder. He retired from the limelight in the 1970s when his cinematic niche had all but evaporated. I was questing for contact information, and in 2015, as I wished to personally thank him for inspiring me and perhaps interview him for uh, our podcast, um, alas, uh, he died two days before his 80th birthday on September 5th, and uh, this was actually uh, very near the time when I was given contact information. So that particular uh, life uh, uh, wish did not come about. Alan Steele brought a lightness, a happy-go-lucky attitude to his portrayals of Hercules that impressed me greatly as a youth. This dimension of my mythic ancestor soul appeals to me, and I tend to view Alan's films more often than others whenever I work out. Thank you, Alan Steele. Couldn't do it in person, but I'll do it here and now, wherever you may now be. Your unique portrayal of my operant archetype has inspired me for over half a century. It will no doubt continue to inspire me for the rest of my earthly sojourn. For that, I now express my sincere gratitude. We are going to take a very short break and listen to some music, and then I will be back with more about my journey and how it can help you, perhaps, to build the physique of your dreams. Uh, This is Dave the Bard again with Merlin M.I. Thank you. 
And welcome back to Voice of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and this is Physical Culture, where we're speaking about a mythic physique and how to build one or how to apply what I learned through my life journey to whatever type of body that you would like to create for yourself. Now, we spoke about having 
mythic inspiration, whether it be in the form of watching movies or reading books uh, to learn about uh, uh, what you're striving to achieve and the people who've already achieved it, or um, picking a mythic mentor. A mythic mentor is somebody who's already attained to what you aspire to attain. Uh, and then even if you can't get to know them personally um, and uh, hear their wisdom, to research what is known about them and learn from that. Uh, to me, Reg Park's physique has always represented the pinnacle of what was achievable during the Peplum era. Aside from being an iconic actor and bodybuilder, Reg was also a very successful businessman. Anecdotal accounts portray him as a warm and friendly individual dedicated to his family and friends. He was also devoted to his sport and mentored many young hopefuls, including Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, as an aside, is one of my mythical mentors. Uh, Reg Park, 1928 to 2007, portrayed Hercules and or Machiste in five sword and sandal epics. He won 14 titles as a professional bodybuilder. Reg the Leg, short for legend, left behind a rich legacy of instruction that includes his famous 5x5 bodybuilding routine and a cable workout. His dietary practices, health habits, and philosophies have been preserved for posterity as well. These treasures are a roadmap to success that have benefited many. So, again, I didn't get to know you while you were alive, but thank you, Rich Park, for all your contributions. You're uniquely carefree, yet loving and devout portrayal of my operant archetype has inspired me for over half a century. It will no doubt continue to inspire me for the rest of my earthy sojourn. For that, I now express my sincere gratitude. In addition to being inspired, um, it is very important to experiment, and uh, this is something that many of our co-hosts and guests uh, return to uh, again and again. And uh, in, in 2017, 19, see how old I am, uh, I uh, read a book called uh, Training the Steve Reeves Way that uh, shared with me how to uh, utilize uh, Steve Reeves's uh, exercise uh, and uh, um, dietary programs, and I also experience uh, non-traditional approaches. Like, for instance, um, I uh, tried a technique called the Naked Warrior, master the sequence of the super strong using body weight exercises alone. And now I'm a firm believer in using body weight uh, uh, because I've had great success with it. But back then, this was a uh, um, a concept to me that uh, uh, I did not feel extended to the uh, ranges that. Uh, um, these exercises took you, but again, I was proven wrong, not for the first time. Uh, I'm proven wrong fairly often, and that's how I learned. Uh, the Naked Warrior is a tome by Russian strength expert Pavel. Uh, it promises to reveal the secrets of the super strong and demonstrate how one can become phenomenally mighty by performing only two. Yes, that's right. Only two bodyweight exercises. No weights, no pills, and no gimmicks. Uh, as I said, this sounded too good to be true, as, but cautiously I read the book and tried the program. Pavel delivered on his promises, the daily workout utilizing simple tension and leveraging, as well as esoteric martial arts techniques, is indeed easy to understand. Performing the exercise, however, requires everything you've got and then some. Within days, however, I was able to crank out a couple of good reps of movements that initially unbalanced me. The secrets Pavel revealed are mostly ones you already know. 
If, pract- if you practice something daily, you get better at it. Work smarter, not harder, to get the results you want. You've heard these things before, no doubt, believe them. Uh, Pavel's genius comes in demonstrating how to apply these maxims to super strength building. Results do come quickly if you persevere, though it doesn't seem so in the beginning when you're struggling to perform one rep, and the effects of your newfound strength are measurable without machinery. Uh, I love pumping the iron, but my nomadic lifestyle leaves me little time to enjoy the pleasures of my home gym. This was written back in Pennsylvania when I had a huge and impressive home gym. The Naked Warrior has given me a way of building my strength anywhere, and the results translate well when I hit uh, the weights. Uh, Now, as uh, I found the X3 system uh, uh, phenomenally effective uh, in uh, building muscle, uh, I'm looking for other things to add to my system to enhance uh, the results, and I will certainly be revisiting the system again. However, um, as I've shared many times, I have neuropathy, so I am unbalanced a lot uh, more easily than I was in days of yore when I wrote uh, this uh, review, Uh, so we shall have to see uh, how uh, my new circumstance translate uh, when I try this uh, once again. Um, And uh, it's good also to fantasize a bit and to see where that takes you. Like, for instance, uh, I came across a book called The Action Hero's Handbook. And, uh, you know, let's face it, it's not enough to be muscular and strong. Those who strive to build a mythic physique truly wish in their own heart of hearts to be real-life action heroes. And I was no exception. Uh, There, now that it's been said, what do we do about it? Uh, David and Joe Borgenich put together an amazing handbook for people like us. In this tome, you can learn how to cultivate heroic good guy skills, such as catching a great white shark, uh, tracking a dangerous fugitive, and negotiating a hostage crisis. Erotic skills, like making a love potion and transforming sexual tension into mad, passionate love. Uh, eerie phenomena skills helpful in dealing with bothersome ETs and ghosts, as well as feats you may have considered fictional, such as the Jedi mind trick and Vulcan nerve pinch. Uh, kick-ass fighting skills, how to take a hit with a chair, win a fight when outnumbered, and disarm a gun-toting thug. Stuntman-type escape skills, such as evading an MIG, crashing through a window, and escaping a sinking cruise ship. Wow. Now I must master these skills, and so should you. Practicing many of these to gain mastery will prove to be a real bitch, but hey, what do you do? Please note that the Action Heroes Handbook isn't a novelty joke book, which it may seem on first inspection. Every scrap of data in here is for real. And though you may never have the opportunity to fix a space shuttle or on reentry or save the world from destruction, it is deed to know how to do such things just in case, because as I said before, uh, you never know. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, I look forward to having you on again uh, next time, uh, which would be Wednesday for the Elysium project, where we will continue uh, exploring optimal health. Uh, Until next time, this is Hercules Invictus. And I think I'll close with the pipes of pan by Dave the Bard.